Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Bin room does not mean they won't be on the scene. Don't miss Dan Abrams' take tonight on whether it's hypocritical of the former president's campaign to insist they have their say when the candidate won't take the stage. Rising crime and mental health issues have police across the country looking for answers and also looking for more resources. But one town in Minnesota isn't thinking about any of that because their police force simply doesn't exist. The chief and every officer resigned last week, sending the town government into disarray. And now the county sheriff is taking over policing. What's his plan? He'll join Banfield tonight. 10 o'clock Eastern on News Nation. But right now, On Balance with Leland Vitter takes a look at what Congress is doing to stop unruly passengers from ruining your flight. I'm Brian Enton. Thanks for joining us. Leland takes over next. On the program tonight, too close for comfort. Near collisions between commercial airliners happened more than once a day last month. Delta 1943, cancel takeoff plans. Delta 1943, cancel takeoff plans. What's the point of the FAA if they can't keep us safe in the skies? We are in, we are in tin can with a baby okay. in a okay. echo chamber. Yeah. And you want to talk to me about being a And Congress's bizarre plan to stop unruly passengers. Out of touch, the New York Times wants black voters to head south and create black-run states. The problem with grouping voters based on race. Bid day. The University of Alabama is the top sorority recruitment in all of the country. In defense of sororities and marriage and church, what criticism of our institutions reveal about the broader attack on what it means to be an American. Let's be honest, I probably would not be going to Alabama if it didn't blow up on TikTok. Hold my beer. New video shows how armed shoppers can stop would-be robbers just fine. Will the retail industry take note? Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. First tonight, the first Republican debate starts 26 hours from now. And let me tell you right here, what's going to happen 26 hours from now in Milwaukee largely doesn't matter. You might have heard Donald Trump isn't attending the debate, which means fewer people will watch. But that's not the biggest reason it won't matter. Debates aren't about people watching necessarily. It's about the clips on social media and news platforms the next day and through the weekend. The discussion on the Sunday shows, way more people watch all the coverage of the debate than watch the debate. And once again, Mr. Trump's understanding of the media wins again. He will turn himself into the Fulton County Jail in Atlanta on Thursday. Thus, all day Thursday, we will hear breathless coverage of bracing for violence and whether or not Donald Trump will have a mugshot. The president has also reportedly filmed an interview with former Fox News host Tucker Carlson. It's expected to air on the night of the debate, although Team Trump hasn't confirmed anything. That largely doesn't matter either. Tucker's ratings on Twitter are now going through the floor. On the left is what your TV will look like tomorrow night during the debate. One network talking with GOP candidates and then everyone else talking about Trump's plans to surrender. Thursday mornings, your TV will look like this. Every single network going nonstop with Trump's surrender in Georgia. It will be like the Republican debate didn't happen. So thus, the debate tomorrow night may not matter because nobody's going to talk about it. Voters won't see the clips. Nobody will care. Sean Spicer is with us, former Trump White House press secretary. Uh, Sean, I know you work for President Trump uh, and sort of have seen this playbook and his ability to understand how the media works better than ever. Uh, am I on to something 
that that largely what's said tomorrow night in the arena behind you will be interesting, maybe, but not all that important in the political conversation come Thursday. Yeah, I agree with your analysis in terms of what happens Thursday morning, but I would take it one step further. When you look at where things are in the polls, Trump well in advance of 50 percent nationally, 40 plus point lead uh, among his closest competitors. My, my bigger point beyond the Thursday aspect of this, which I agree with you on, is how many people are looking to be persuaded, are open. Uh, I just don't know that when you take eight candidates, put them on a stage, what they collectively, if you divide the time, what are they getting like a minute and 20 seconds apiece? I just don't know that there's that much time to make a persuasive case. And therefore, I don't know how impactful a debate is at this point uh, when you've got ostensibly eight candidates, six of whom most Americans could never identify if they had to. Well, you say most couldn't. I know you did that at the Iowa State Fair. Asked voters um, <laughs> who they who they could identify. It was a great it was a great move. Um, and obviously, you're looking forward to seeing it on the Sean Spicer show. I, I think about the the other issue for tomorrow night, which is that the moderators are going to have to ask about Donald Trump, just because that's sort of the way the way this is going to go. If they didn't, they would be filleted. And the, the candidates themselves seem to be tripping over themselves for answers on this issue. Take a listen to, to just some of them. I don't want to criticize Trump is because everybody else from, you know, networks like the one we're on right now on down are doing plenty good job of making up attacks that shouldn't even exist. He's both afraid of me and he's afraid of defending his record. I would have preferred that these matters be left to the judgment of uh, the American people. The voters get to decide who runs for office in America. I don't think they're going to look kindly on somebody that thinks they don't have to earn it. I'm going to support the nominee of the party. I do not expect it to be Donald Trump. He is the I lead because he dominates the conversation. And I think the press, uh, and, you know, and I don't want to fault the press, but they, they, that's all they want to talk about. All right, so which came first, the chicken or the egg, of hating Donald Trump by the press or the press realizing that Donald Trump rates, therefore they cover him? Look, I, I ran the debates uh, in 2015-2016 cycle. I feel like we could have taken these clips and pushed them back eight years ago, six years ago, and they would have been the same. Uh, this was the same dynamic then, Trump going into these debates, being the dominating figure, people trying to figure out how to tackle him, whether to come straight at him, whether to go around him, whether to ignore him. And we're seeing the same dynamic play out. I think the difference is, is that he was the nominee <clears throat> of, the, of the party twice before. I would argue this. If you are on the stage tomorrow night and you barely made it, which is what a few of them did by barely getting 1%, uh, most people need a name tag to identify some of these folks. Uh, I would argue that your time is better used promoting yourself, talking about how you're going to secure the border, take on China, get the country back on track. Right, yeah. Let Chris Christie play the kamikaze road. But here's the point, Leland. If you take on Trump, which is what Christie is doing, and let's say that it's hugely successful. Chris Christie's not guaranteed to be the beneficiary, and that's my point from a strategic aspect. Going after Donald Trump may be smart late, later down when it's more of a binary choice and people are having to make a choice between Donald Trump and somebody else. Right now, they're not there yet. You need to qualify for the September debate, September 27th at the Reagan Library, and for the October debate. I would argue a strategy that starts to build you up so that you can become the one or two people that is making the case to be the alternative to Trump. This is way too early. I would just tell any candidate on stage, you want to go after Trump, great. You're not going to go very far. You're not going to pick up much support. Now, it's no, a waste yeah, of your time. I think you make, a, well, you make a great point. You and I were in Iowa together, and the only people who were talking about Trump was the media. Uh, the voters were not, no matter right. who you asked, and, and Democrat, Republican, Independent, uh, Trump voter, Ramaswamy voter, DeSantis voter. They cared about issues that were not Donald Trump. Primetime viewership during Trump indictments. Um, CNN, 100% increase. MSNBC, a 246% increase. Fox News Channel, only a 47% increase. Um, this one I think is most interesting, though, is that the same people who say that Donald Trump is an existential crisis and that is a threat to democracy give him the most coverage. And you would think that if these people were genuine in their fear and feelings, right, they would cover all of the other Republicans and try to prop them up. But that's not what they do. Why? Because this, your, your finger is right on, on this issue. This is all about ratings. And to your point about what the moderators say tomorrow night, this will be the true test. 
If they want to spend half of the night going after Donald Trump, then that will just show that this is not a true debate about who's the best person to carry the Republican mantle and be the Republican nominee. This will be a media exercise. Your point about Sunday shows, this is it. The, Donald Trump is, is well over 50 percent in every national poll. And that's why I think this is ridiculous. It's acting as if he is a, you know, at 25 percent. Right now, if you actually want to become that alternative to Donald Trump or think that, to your point, some of these stations make it seem like he's an existential crisis, then I would figure out who's going to be that person that can take him on one-on-one -on -one, or maybe who are the two people that can do that. But right now, he's got 40, 50 percent lead, not just nationally, but in these early state polls right, yeah. where it's going to be critical. The bottom line is this, just, just to so viewers understand this, if he runs the table on the early states, Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and South Carolina, we won't see Super Tuesday. It will be over before then. Yeah, no, it's a good, no, that, that, you're, you're absolutely right. And unless the Republicans coalesce around somebody long before Iowa to make it a one-on-one -on -one race, um, it's over. We, we, all, we all know that and have seen that. Yeah. Sean, great analysis. Enjoy the show tomorrow night, and uh, we'll talk soon. I'm excited. Okay, yeah, tune right. in. Sean Spicer Show. Dear black people, please move to the South. If you're shocked by that and maybe didn't hear exactly what I said, I'm going to repeat it for you. Dear black people, please move to the South. At the very least, that statement is horribly offensive. And not just to blacks, it's offensive to anybody who believes we as Americans, we as people, should be defined as something more than our skin color. And no, it didn't come from a white pride website. That headline, that line, came from the New York Times. Mr. Charles Blow wrote it. He's a wealthy New York Times op-ed writer with Holmes in New York City and Atlanta, his kids graduated from Yale, Middlebury, and Columbia, a contributor on MSNBC. Fair to say Mr. Blow is far from disenfranchised, yet he wants to expand power, and he thinks that comes from consolidating geographically the black vote. There is no way to truly have power in the country if you do not also have access to state power. And there is right now no state in the country where black people are a majority and not one where they are projected to be a majority. And that powerlessness is something that I detest. It would appear based on that, that to Mr. Blow and everyone uh, somehow, Mr. Blow believes everyone and their political beliefs are defined by race, which hardly seems fair, but it also sounds a little bit racist. Georgia State Rep. Misha Maynard just switched from Democrat to Republican because of this very issue and joins us now. I'm, I know you had a chance to read this. I'm wondering what you thought. I absolutely did not agree with it. Um, one thing I can say that Charles Blow, please go to my website, MishaMaynard.com, and contribute. Let me tell you why I don't agree. Politics in the South is not what people think it is. Atlanta is majority African-American. The schools are failing. County commissioners um, in jail right now for sexual harassment. Cities, South Fulton, People are leaving the city because they are completely fed up with government. So my suggestion is that we need politics and we need leaders to be diverse, not necessarily in color, but in thought. All black people are not the same. All black people do not think the same. And right now what I see is that majority black communities that are led by black leaders are not providing services to black people. So how do we explain then Charles Blow's viewpoint that if black Americans uh, who he views as, a, I guess, a uniform group of political thought get control of a state, um, somehow that state is going to end up doing better um, than it would be under the control? And, and frankly, you'd think of Georgia, um, where you've got a state that went uh, for Joe Biden, yet also for a Republican governor, but has two Democratic state senators. I think the voters in Georgia are smart, um, but we also must look at reality. The world, the population is 60 percent white. 
Um, Asian population grew by 105%. Hispanic population grew by 80%. Black population grew by 31%. And Black people are 39% of abortions. So Black people are not going to be the majority of anything. And so what I suggest to people is, what is the reality? You're not going to be the majority of anything. So what is your reality? Let's move forward with that reality. And let's not let's not pretend and tell people that all black people are going to solve black people's problems um, because the proof has already been proven that that's not true. Is there something here about not necessarily a black white divide, but a elite and everybody else divide, a class divide um, that that Charles Blow and his friends who go to the Hamptons and Martha's Vineyard all subscribe to and therefore take black voters for granted? Because he doesn't seem all that concerned in his essay about the issues that you brought up where, at least in Atlanta and other black-run cities, things have gotten worse, not better, for the African-American population there and everybody else for that matter. Absolutely. A prime example would be school choice. The Dem- one of the main reasons why I ended up leaving the Democrat Party. Schools in my district, only 2% are meeting math proficiency. Only 3% are meeting reading proficiency. It is a Black-run local school board that is making those decisions. But my colleagues in the Capitol that are Democrats, their children go to private schools, so they have a choice. They may be sending their child to another school outside of their district, because they have that choice. Um, my concern is that these elitists, they are not thinking about the underserved and the marginalized that have no choice whatsoever. And it's unfortunate that an entire political system would say no to those children. All right, Misha, thank you for joining us. Uh, obviously, Mr. Blows, welcome uh, Any time, if you'd like to come on, I'd, I'd be fascinated to hear the two of you discuss this. It'd really be uh, illuminating. We appreciate it. It's good to see you. Thank you for having me, Leland. Yes, ma'am. Turns out a shopper in southern Michigan literally didn't need anyone to hold his beer while he stopped an armed robber. This is from a convenience store out of Cass County. That's near the Indiana line. A career criminal tried to hold the place up with a box cutter. Uh, as you can see... A man buying beer, Miller Lite if you're interested, pulled out his pistol and shot the robber seven times. And through the whole thing, never put his beer down. Just today, Cass County Prosecutor Victor Fitz announced the beer buying hero would not be charged in the case. And the prosecutor joins us now. It's good to see you, sir. Um, so how, how is this working now? Is this just a, a, a self def- clear-cut self-defense case? Well, Leland, first of all, uh, thank you very much for being on the show. It's an honor to be here. Uh, and again, yeah, this is really, for me, just another day at the office. Uh, this is self-defense. Uh, and in Michigan, for 160 years, the law has been that you have a right to protect yourself and others if you're facing uh, imminent uh, danger of death or serious injury. And that's exactly what this uh, this patron did in this situation. And uh, certainly we had to look at all of the evidence uh, to make sure that we uh, vetted it for- thoroughly. But having done that, uh, uh, this uh, patron acted lawfully and he acted to protect both himself as well as uh, even more so the clerk in this situation. Yeah, I, pretty calm and collected as he, as he did that. Um, had a concealed carry permit, carrying the weapon legally. I can't help but think about this in the context of what we're seeing in America. And we think about the the discussion over Jason Aldean's song, Try This in a Small Town, Try That in a Small Town. This is small town America, um, where the police aren't necessarily uh, 30 seconds away in the like. And I'm wondering if, if there's a reality that big city folks just don't understand about how small town folks have to look out for each other. Well, you know, really, I don't think that this is just a small town, big town situation. You know, the law in Michigan, like I mentioned before, hasn't changed. It's been the same for over a century. And I think it's what it is. It's incumbent upon prosecutors uh, and the public to understand that, uh, at least in Michigan, you have the right to protect yourself. It's a serious responsibility. I mean, you know, life is at all stages is extremely important. uh, And, you know, you want to protect both, uh, you know, somebody who's been robbed as well as the robber. But again, in this situation, uh, he made the, the decision 
he felt was reasonable at the time. And uh, certainly the, the clerk agreed with him. The clerk said he saved my life. And again, I think whether you're urban or rural, uh, you know, the important thing is let's obey our laws and let's uh, let uh, law abiding citizens protect themselves uh, in situations where that's necessary. Well, the flip side also is if you don't pull a box cutter out and try to rob uh, the convenience store, then there's there's no problem. If we all obey the law, then then things work out pretty well. Uh, Cornelius Anthony Martin uh, is now charged with assault, habitual offender. Uh, so he could be uh, ending up with life in prison, armed robbery, uh, armed assault with intent to rob while armed, uh, on and on and on. This is uh, obviously the person who was the shooter, but the, the there's the charges against Anthony Martin. Um, we've heard so much lately about retail uh, establishments and companies not allowing their employees to get involved at all, right? You can't confront, you can't chase, you can't do that. We've seen it with the mass shoplifting, and that's really largely in urban in urban cities, and that's, maybe that's where the try it in a small town thing comes in. But that said, I, I'm wondering if there's almost a danger that all of a sudden, if the the robbers know the the clerks can't do anything then it almost makes everybody now in every convenience store, every Lululemon or every department store uh, in a position where they may have to defend themselves or somebody else because thieves are more emboldened these days. Yeah, and again, I think it is important to make a distinction. You can't use deadly force to protect uh, necessarily, uh, you know, a, a, a property theft. You can't shoot and kill somebody for that. But having said that, again, um, I do think it's important. I, I, and you are correct. I think, in, in certainly in small towns, and I, I know a lot of larger urban areas, maybe not all of them, that um, you know, if a if a store clerk you know, protects their property, tries to apprehend the person and so forth. They need to be cautious. They need to be careful because that can be a, a, a serious, uh, uh, you know, danger to them. But they're certainly not going to run any problem from, from a prosecutor. They're really going to be, uh, you know, applauded for, for again, uh, trying to make sure that the laws are obeyed. All right. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much, sir. Enjoy the rest of your summer. You bet. Thank you so much, Leland. All right. Turns out near-miss collisions between planes are way more common than anyone would have guessed. The numbers, well, you may not want to see them if you're flying anytime soon. And tension in the skies. But guess what? Congress wants to train flight attendants to fight back on unruly passengers. Why that may just cause more problems. We'll see you in a minute. And, uh, whew, the Delta 94 Tower 660, Papa Sierra, lining up and taking off runway 31. I'm sorry, zero Papa Sierra, hold position. Series 2 and 9 Julia, go around traffic on the runway. Hmm. In each of those cases, hundreds of people averted death by seconds. Those are the near misses of commercial airliners and other planes that we know about. Turns out it happens a lot more often than we think. Near mid-air collisions were up 15%, runway collisions up 2%. Robert Sherman has been looking into all of this and joins us live. Hi, Robert. Hey there, Leland. Definitely something that we're seeing more and more. And in terms of why this is happening, human error is really at the heart of this conversation. The FAA says... Sometimes it has to do with pilot error. Sometimes it has to do with grounds crews. But one thing that we're hearing a lot of industry insiders all point to is the lack of air traffic controllers. The goal from tower to tower is to have each air traffic control about 85% staffed. But if you look around the country, three quarters of those towers have failed to hit that benchmark. Now, people point to different reasons for this. One is the forced retirement age for an air traffic controller. You have to be out the door and retired by age 56. But if you're a pilot, that age is 67. Other people point to the fact that training was shuttered for two years due to the pandemic. But the FAA has had issue hiring for these positions and maintaining staffing for years. You actually go back to a policy change that happened in 2014 under the Obama administration. And they added a biographical assessment, which allegedly put more of a focus on diversity. According to an, in, to an inspector general report, the FAA failed to meet a tiring target the first two years of that program, but it rebounded in 2016. Critics contend that the best candidates were not being hired in that span until the biographical assessment was done away with in 2018. But the FAA has pushed back, saying 
they've hired some of their best candidates during that time span. So you see the back and forth there. But this is the thing to keep in mind. The next time that you fly out of Philadelphia, look at that air traffic control tower and realize one controller is doing the job of two. Leland? And now I wish I had felt better after hearing your report. I don't, but thank you. It's important and one that we'll keep looking into, uh, especially that Inspector General's report from back in 2014. Good to see you, Robert. Thank you. Congress has no plan to fix the near-miss problem. That would be focusing on something that actually mattered and that they could do something about. So instead, Congress is focused on unruly passengers, which admittedly are, to a certain extent, a problem. We are in tin can with a baby in a echo chamber, and you want to talk to me about being Okay. Okay. I did not do anything, actually. Disrespect. We'll talk about Disrespect. it outside. Disruptive, besides speak my mind. Okay. I know what I live in America, and that's what right. America's about. Calm down. No, you know Listen that. To me. Grab no. your bag. Get me off this goddamn Yeah. Of course, the video is wild, and Congress now wants airlines to train flight attendants to fight back turning every flight attendant into a wannabe air marshal. Of course, that didn't really work out as well when the FAA deputized flight attendants as mask enforcement officers. Unsurprisingly, incidents on planes went up fivefold. Take away the mask mandates, and the incidents on planes dropped down to normal levels. We have a bar graph that shows that. But Congress, they're at it anyway. Bill Cunningham, host of the Bill Cunningham Show, is with us now. Uh, Look, it's nice to know that Congress is dealing with the important stuff, right, Bill? Leland, it's unbelievable. I, I did a little research uh, when I when your staff contacted me. There's about 45,000 flights every day, and there's something like two and a half to three million passengers every day. And I, I guarantee you that the the thread the, the threads of our society are fraying at the edges. We can't find air traffic controllers. And the guy in charge is a former failed mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who couldn't fix potholes. We can't find teachers. New York City is down 30% of the cops. You can't find firefighters. You can't find teachers. You can't find almost any public service job today to be filled. And so Congress is focusing on the rare, occasional passenger that acts up, and God knows that's a problem, but to have some of the flight attendants that you and I have seen on planes, I don't want them, what, carrying weapons? No. How about uh, pepper spray? No. How about de-escalation tactics? Maybe. But we've not had a 9-11 because the cockpit doors are now fixed and you have men passengers, hairy butt men, that would keep anybody from starving the cockpit. And so how about having an air traffic control system that works run by somebody who wasn't fixing potholes before he got the job. How about that one? Well, the the potholes in South Bend were never fixed. That was always the the knock on Secretary Pete. But I think about this in a different sense, right? Is you took these people who, before, before masks, their job was to get you a Diet Coke and tell you where the exits were, and that was about it. And now all of a sudden, you have people who... Uh, at least on flights I've been on, are almost itching for a fight. I had a flight attendant tell the entire plane twice before we took off with no incidents on the plane that he had the power to make you stay in Washington and that he was not afraid of using it if you didn't listen to him. Uh, Same guy said, for the next two hours, we own you. Uh, That was his announcement as you got on the planes. The friendly skies all over again. But this is where I I come down, down and I think is interesting, and maybe there's some statistics to back what I'm saying. 2022 unruly passengers, 2,455. Um, enforcement actions by the FAA, civil, only 500. You're a lawyer, so this makes even more difference to you. Only 10% of those cases were referred to the FBI. So every time the flight attendants say, well, it's federal law, you must listen to all of us. 2,500 cases, and the FBI only chose to look at 10% of them. It tells you that somebody's overstepping their power a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And let's face it, if you had do not fly list, the first time you act up like the couple passengers you just had on one year suspension, five year suspension, 10 year suspension by the airlines, why go to the FBI? They're overwhelmed when bags of cocaine are found in the White House. They can't find out what's going on. They have no idea what's occurring. I don't want directed to the FBI. God knows how busy they are. The airlines themselves could say, 
that passenger is suspended and they'll notify the other airlines for one to three to five years and leave law enforcement out of it unless injuries are taken. And if I'm a flight attendant, I want to be trained in de-escalation tactics, which they are. And secondly, if you want to be trained in martial arts or something of that character, I say have at it. But but the, <laughs> the society that we love, the southern border, what's happening with the presidency, we got one guy running who's under a 91-count federal indictment. He's out on bond. And the other guy should be under indictment, and his son has bags of cash he's collecting all over the country. Everywhere I look, I see issues, and air traffic passengers can be a major problem. But why can't Delta, American, United get together and say, that lady right there is not going to fly for the next 10 years. Know your role and shut your mouth. (laughs) Bill, uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. I, I, I don't know, you and Robert, I don't feel better after talking to either of you guys, but I'm glad we did. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. The New York Times is now calling sorority rush at Alabama white tide, quote unquote. But the attack goes far deeper. What the attack on America's institutions, religion, marriage and the like says and why these institutions, why marriage is so threatening to some. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The University of Alabama is the top sorority recruitment in all of the country. Rush consists of four highly competitive rounds. Let's be honest, I probably would not be going to Alabama if it did not blow up on TikTok. That's a new HBO documentary on sorority Rush at the University of Alabama. Rush just wrapped up at the school this week. And for some reason, such news made the New York Times... In Alabama, White Tide rushes on, writes Tressie McMillan Cottom, who called it peak neo-antebellum white Southern culture. If you're wondering, Cottom is an associate professor at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill School of Information and Library Science. Her essay went through the usual attacks on sororities and white privilege, which seemed a little petty and kind of bizarre why some library science professor cares about sororities. But then... She tipped her hand because it's much bigger than sororities. Elite status, she writes, cultivates, invests, and invests in a lot of marriages, in marriages. And that is no different in the South. For all the sorority sisters talk about bonding and lifelong friends, the power of these sororities is not sisterhood. It's the brotherhood that desires it. Bama Rush codifies the many incentives behind marrying power and turning them into a long audition to become a handmaiden to patriarchal privilege. So Cotton really doesn't care about sororities. She cares about what they represent. And what they represent isn't necessarily white power, it's institutions. So for all the hand-wringing about attacks on institutions, well, think about the institutions that are under threat in America right now. Greek life, country clubs, marriage, country music, legacy college admissions, traditional family, probably add to that religion, must all be brought down. Ashley Hayek here, Executive Director of America Works First, proud member of the Tri-Delt sorority. All right. Um, you think this was just about sororities? No, it wasn't about sorority. I mean, right now, culturally, there is a full attack on femininity as a whole. Where's the New York Times article writing about um, those that are pretending to be women who are trying to rush a sorority. Um, where's the, where the articles that are, you know, completely shunning this new Snow White figure who's, you know, talking about, uh, being female pride, but completely shutting down men. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with tradition. There's nothing wrong with institutions. There's nothing wrong with femininity. And there's nothing wrong with what the girls down in Alabama are doing at all. Most of them have a 3.3 GPA. Most of them, um, they are required to have philanthropic hours where they donate and they raise thousands of dollars to different charities. Um, so this whole attack on institutions and women in general is just really gone too far altogether. 
So what's the motivation behind it? It's an attack on it's an attack on traditional values, as far as I'm concerned. You raise the great point with whether it's the churches, whether it's the country clubs, whether it's the sororities. It's this traditional view of uh, the girls who are pretty who want to go out for a sorority. It's the dances. It's you know the culture around it. It's the tradition. Um, unfortunately, it seems like there's a lot of very angry people um, who want to attack all of these institutions that are a part of American life and American culture, um, and they want to turn it all on its head. When I was in a sorority, I was also um, a senator for our college, a, a junior senator. And one of the things I noticed from the from the left was they always tried to defund Greek life. Um, they wanted to reallocate it to some of the more liberal, uh, now called woke programs, as opposed to just allowing everyone to have an equal opportunity to pursue mm-hmm. something that they love. And I just think that that's a complete attack on just our traditions in our society. There's nothing wrong with um, the sorority life, the Greek life. It provides a lot of um, long-term values, but maybe it is there. There's asking, nothing wrong with having... You know, I, I, look, I, I don't disagree with you. There's nothing wrong. and There's nothing wrong with being a member or not being a member, whatever it is. The attacks on it, I think, are what's interesting. And, I, you know, we saw the Jason Aldean song uh, and the pushback. Yeah. Uh, against that, and then the the incredible blowback. It was number one on the country charts. Rich men north of Richmond, uh, which has sort of yeah. come on the stage as this country's anthem, if you will, for for not Republicans or Democrats, not conservatives or liberals, but for rural versus urban Americans. And I, I'm wondering if if now you're seeing, because I know you've been involved in this, that there's sort of a an awakening by rural American and sort of traditional value Americans against all of this. I don't know if it's necessarily an awakening or if more people feel like now's the time to stand up because it's under so much attack. You know, being canceled uh, is a threat constantly. You know, my question for the author of this is, where is her attack on Kamala Harris's sorority Alpha Kappa Alpha? Um, I don't see her writing about that. Instead, there was similar articles praising them for doing GOTV efforts. A sorority is a sorority is a sorority. So I think this one-sided bias that we're seeing, I think just people who love American culture are fed up with these constant attacks on family, on tradition, and on the American way of life. Yeah. Well, so certainly, certainly the attacks are continuing. Um, we see them every day. Ashley, thank you. We appreciate it. Excellent perspective. Uh, speaking of attacks on institutions or demands on all of us, the mandates are beginning once again with COVID. Why journalists show zero curiosity, zero interest when it comes to trading lives yet again for COVID mandates. School is a topic we're, we're interested in. Students in Boston may be forced to mask up when they return to class. The Virginia Lottery has new scratchers on the first Tuesday of every month. Every month. And nothing interrupts... That's right, Jill. Nothing interrupts new games every Tuesday. Frank! Sorry. For more information, visit VALottery.com slash Tuesday. My son Ian was diagnosed with a brain tumor at the age of 16 months. We had no hope until St. Jude rescued us. He's alive because of what St. Jude has done. He's here because of the doctors who came before, their blood, their sweat, their tears, the knowledge accumulated and shared, you know, with everyone else around the world. This is how we help kids beat cancer all over. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our responsibility. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. The Virginia Lottery has a new print-and-play game on the third Tuesday of every month. Every month. And nothing interrupts the... That's right, Jill. Nothing interrupts new games every Tuesday. Franklin! Sorry. For more information, visit VALottery.com slash Tuesday. Hello, I'm Jay Winnick. On 9-11, I lost my brave brother, Glenn, in the collapse of the World Trade Center. 
Glenn was a volunteer firefighter who died in the line of duty. Glenn's bravery inspired me to help start the nonprofit that's turned September 11th into a national day of service. For 9-11 this year, please join me by doing what Glenn would have done, taking time to help others. Please visit 911day.org to learn more. Nearly one in two U.S. adults have high blood pressure. That's why it's important to self-monitor your blood pressure in four easy-to-remember steps. It starts with a monitor. Be next to talk to your doctor about your blood pressure numbers. Get down with your blood pressure. Self-monitoring is power. Visit ManagerBP.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Heart Association, and the American Medical Association. In partnership with the Office of Minority Health and Health Resources and Services Administration. This is News Nation's audio stream. Take us wherever you go. America's fastest growing news channel is News Nation. We are the Veterans Health Administration, and our hands provide life changing care to over 9 million veterans across more than 1,200 facilities nationwide. Join hands with us to make an impact in your community. Learn more at vacareers.va.gov. You can always come up with an excuse for not visiting longtermcare.gov. Oh, I forgot. Game night. After all, who wants to admit that one day they will be, you know, old? Hey, do you see any crow's feet on this face? I don't. But since 70% of older Americans need some kind of long-term care, why not do some free planning now so you can stay in charge? Visit longtermcare.gov and find your own path forward. I thought it was a rash, but my doctor said it was a tick bite. Ticks can spread Lyme disease and other illnesses leading to chronic health issues. My brother was always having asthma flare-ups. A roach problem at home was causing it. Allergens left behind by roaches and rodents are a major driver of asthma attacks. When I had a fever and body aches, I never thought it was West Nile virus. Mosquitoes breed in standing water and can spread serious diseases. Get the facts at PestWorld.org. A public service message brought to you by the National Pest Management Association. Pass it on. Today my bank made a big mistake, but I forgave them. My server spilled water on me, but I forgave him. My toddler drew lipstick on the wall. Was I ever mad? It got me thinking. I can forgive my bank and my server, but I'm upset with my own kid? I mean, what's most important here? So, tonight, the two of us are doing lipstick art. On paper. Forgiveness is in you. Passiton.com. COVID are once again on the rise. Oh boy, get ready. You have to wear a mask and get boosted again because you might get sick next year. MSNBC said that if you get COVID now, it could affect you for your whole life. Of course, never mind that lockdowns increased obesity, mental health issues soared, everybody drank way too much alcohol, got fat, didn't get screened for cancer. Inflation happened. Kids can't read now. Don't worry about any of that. Once again, we must protect against COVID at all costs. Welcome to COVID Hysteria 2023. There is a new variant that for almost everybody is no worse than the common cold. But given the general excitement over a small increase in COVID cases, we shouldn't be surprised that those who gained power during the pandemic just cannot wait to use it again. Here's George Will on the program last night. Some people, Leland, like being regimented. They like being told to put on a mask. I think it makes them feel social solidarity, the tingle of excitement that something scary is happening. Uh, Some people just don't feel alive unless they're scared. You're sick of hearing about COVID. So are we. The problem is what is coming because of this new wave of COVID that is really statistically meaningless. What's coming is really important because as George predicted, some people just can't let go of the emergency. More importantly, the emergency powers. Lionsgate Entertainment out in Hollywood is back to masks and testing. We talked about colleges yesterday. There are now 104 colleges in the U.S. still mandating COVID vaccines for students. Of course, faculty are exempted. Some have indicated they will never let this go. All the while, they refuse to make sense of their pseudoscience on the list. Rutgers, Harvard, and more. We can now add that Morris Brown College in Atlanta and the Seattle government, who are never wrong, the government doctors didn't get a thing wrong during COVID, they want mandatory face masks for healthcare workers. 
Speaking of healthcare, Scott M. wrote to me on Twitter after our segment last night, while your comments were largely directed at the media, my perception was that you were dismissive of the impact of the virus itself. Both my parents are currently in the ICU with COVID. My mother's prognosis is fair. My father's recovery is doubtful. Just wanted to remind you it's more than a talking point and it's still having serious effects, which is absolutely true. I know that, Scott, better than most, and we're praying for your parents. In fact, I almost died from COVID. I spent a week in the hospital with it back in early 2021. It's a serious disease, which is the reason we need to speak about it honestly, honestly about where it came from, honestly about what prevents it, and honestly about what doesn't prevent it, honestly about who it affects the most, your parents, Scott, who are much older, which is why we need fair reporting about it, not hysteria. Who knows what 2021-esque craziness is next? But we can guarantee many of our media colleagues who will cover it breathlessly will bring zero journalistic curiosity as to whether whatever they are reporting will actually protect people from COVID. Joining us now, Sailor Thomas, student at the University of Georgia who's lived through the pandemic as a college student. You're a senior now. You want to go back to wearing a mask like you did freshman year? Absolutely not. Um, Then in my freshman year, I had to get sent home because of COVID. So to think it could happen again, this is my last semester of college. Obviously, it's very disappointing. All right. Percentage of the total population who are up to date with the COVID-19 vaccines, total 17 percent. There you and you, you Holly, with your mask. I think you may have been high school graduation or just getting to college. Yeah, this is early Um, days of college. Early days of college. It looks like a joyous time in everybody's life. Um, percentage of population who are up to date with COVID-19 vaccines, total 17%. I'm wondering, you just don't seem that worried, yet there is so many colleges now that are, are petrified about and, and can't wait to protect everybody with masks and with vaccines and everything else. You think you understand something they don't or they understand something you don't? Um, For me, I think that obviously it is a serious issue. I do understand how people who are obviously older are more affected by it. Um, Speaking from a college student's perspective, it is really a time in our lives that's pivotal where we want to be able to connect to people. We don't want to have masks that are blocking um, us talking. It can be an obstacle. So for me, I just feel like it depends on the age range specifically, but in colleges, this is... Look, Sailor, this is what I'm interested in. Why do you think it's colleges that are so far in the front of demanding everybody have masks and vaccines when we know that healthy college kids are about the least likely people of anybody to die from this? It may be the accountability problem that the universities are scared of. Um, Obviously, colleges, people are going out and people are in settings where they're on top of each other. So I feel like that's the main probably fear in that situation. Well, you you, have, you ascribe good intentions. I'm not sure I have yeah. <laughs> as, as, as much goodwill towards college administrators as you do. But after four years, I, I admire your optimism. Uh, it's good to see you. Yes. Good, good luck in graduation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Just you like Scott me. M. wrote to me about his thoughts uh, on Twitter about our covert coverage or anything else. We always like to hear from you. Social media at Leland Vittert on Twitter and Instagram. A little bit more about that when we come back. The Virginia Lottery has new scratchers on the first Tuesday of every month. Every month. And nothing interrupts. That's right, Jill. Nothing interrupts new games every Tuesday. Frank. Sorry. For more information, visit VALottery.com slash Tuesday. Babes, what are you doing? What? I'm just mowing the lawn. No, it's blazing hot and dry out here. Don't you remember? Smokey Bear says, Avoid using power equipment when it's windy or dry. Where'd you learn this? Oh, it's on SmokeyBear.com with many other wildfire prevention tips. Right. Thanks, honey bear. Because remember, only you can prevent wildfires. Brought to you by the USDA Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. In a single moment, everything can change. When a player's sudden cardiac event brought a national football game to a halt, it shone a spotlight on the importance of CPR readiness. Now, with youth sports in full swing, the American Heart Association is rallying parents and coaches to be ready in an emergency. To be ready, learn hands-only CPR. It's a skill anyone can learn in minutes. Visit heart.org slash hands-only CPR and become a lifesaver today. 
More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for their news, traffic, weather, sports, and a community connection. It's the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping us safe in dangerous times. It's critical that we keep AM radio in cars, because when cell and Internet services are down, this free emergency service could be your only lifeline. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress we need AM radio in cars. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. As an adult, kids want to know you're listening to them, but they also want to listen to you. When it comes to alcohol, they want to know your expectations and how and why to avoid underage drinking. Talking early and often about it in everyday conversations reinforces your message and keeps lines of communication open. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. I'll be by your side. Serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. I'm Michael Naranjo, and I'm a veteran. Today, I'm a sculptor. My fingers are my eyes. DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year. With DAV, more veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. This is Cuomo on News Nation's audio stream, available 24-7 on the News Nation app, or just say, Alexa, play News Nation. For many kids living in poverty, summer isn't fair. It can mean isolation, hunger, and falling behind. Help us make summer fair at savethechildren.org slash fair. Chris Domine is a husband, father, an athlete, even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris's kidneys were failing. The doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant, you are going to die. Chris received a second chance, made possible by an organ donor. Your well-being changes from loss of hope to better times ahead. What could you make possible as an organ, eye, and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Some people won't give you the real talk on drugs, but it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is killing people. It's a powerful opioid, often made illegally and commonly mixed with illicit drugs. It can even be pressed into counterfeit pills that resemble prescription medications. Just two milligrams, about the size of a few grains of sand, could potentially be lethal. This isn't an ad to scare you, but it is an ad to make you think twice. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. Where can the skills you learn with ham radio take you? Amateur radio, often called ham radio, is the place where today's engineers got their start. Ham radio is more popular than ever before. With hands-on training in electronics, engineering, and digital communications, modern hams interface computers and radios in entirely new ways. Ham radio in the 21st century can take you around the world or into a whole new career. Learn more. Go to ARRL.org. Join us. An interesting rate in protecting all of us. That's tomorrow. Here's Chris. Two big interviews tonight. One with a man.